0: From so my pretties, please do come inside, no, grab a beer, and have a seat, because things are about to get spooky. Hello and welcome to the Spook Inn. I am your host Saf, and this is the show where I drink beer and talk about horror movies. Today on the show I'm drinking Third Cat from Indiana City and spooking with aliens with special guest The Duke. Hello, hello welcome you'll know the duke from drink and geek out or other episodes or we do a show together called drink and
1: geek ost yeah it's uh, quite the fun show if we uh, if we get more time to do more <coughs> music episodes i think like that's gotten the most traffic for a
0: regular right podcast and then the we stopped works. doing that <laughs> yeah we'll get back to it eventually
1: yeah we'll have time we'll figure something out
0: All right, like I said today, we're talking about Indiana City's third cat. It is an 8.5% ABV, 30 IBU, which is 30 Days of Night, a classic horror movie from the 2000s, I think. Mm -hmm. It's a Baltic porter with Guatemalan honey and organic cocoa nibs, and it's a collaboration with 18th Street Brewery, Indiana City versus 18th Street.
1: It kind of uh, gives off that 18th Street vibes when you look at the can yeah. that's kind of like my first thought when i saw it I was like oh this must be like something similar to something that 18th street would do and then you see it on the side of the can you're like oh
0: yeah there it is yeah cuz they have like a more metal slash like horror yep. theme skeletons and stuff
1: yeah it's not quite gothic but it's, yeah, it's you, similar. Know, you know like angry but artistically yeah. like uh sound um do you know when you bought this uh no Okay. Because we me and Allison checked this one in in April of 2021.
0: it was m- more recent. Yeah, than it that. was like 6 months ago maybe. All right, well, that's good.
1: So I was like, "Ooh, it's not yo, know, they
0: released it multiple times, so I've got it the last time they released it." All right, Both good. of the breweries in Indianapolis are now closed. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: um that's unfortunate. Uh that's a big blow I think to the the surrounding area. Like that yeah. was like a huge it sucks. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, like how much of a like impact on the 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 city that it was, but definitely for you and I, yeah,
0: like it was huge. Mm-hmm. Indiana City was one of our favorite places to go. Eighteenth Street was just a tap room. Mm-hmm. We didn't go there a ton, but they did have delicious food, and I got beers or in, in cans a couple of times from there. Mm-hmm. I guess they might be opening a distillery in Indianapolis, which yeah. will also have beer. Oh, so. good. They're not leaving us permanently. This is the way it sounded in the Instagram post. Well, that's good.
1: Yeah, the uh, they're based like right outside of Chicago, right? They're, yeah, they're like, like in, in Whiting Hammond, or Indiana Hammond yeah. or something like that. Uh, I just think that they're not too familiar with the Indianapolis area because the place that they had... Their tap room is—it's a shithole, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Uh, no, no offense, anybody lives over in Beach Grove, but it's not quite Beach Grove. But like, yeah, over there
0: it's in that corner, it's just nothing. And yeah, it's like in a barren wasteland of other breweries and like mm-hmm. businesses, just like in this neighborhood almost. Yeah, and it's just a b-
1: like surrounded by a bunch of dead factories yeah. too. So it's you know nothing about the
0: people. It's just the location. Yeah, really big, unfortunate <laughs> area hasn't been gentrified, so they really didn't have the hipsters coming to them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the can, it's a black background. It's one of those kind of uh, shinier labels, metallic looking. We mm-hmm. got this cat with kind of... I guess the black cat, but because the background's black, it's got like this blue hue to it to make it stand out.
1: Yeah, it's like the comics of the uh, old Batman, yeah. where they had blue tights on
0: Batman because black wasn't going to show up on the comic. Um, I don't know what... I thought those were threes around his head, but I guess they're just, like, designs? I don't know. Maybe.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the The cat up in the top is written in some, like, gothic font, uh, very similar mm-hmm. to, like, tattoo language. And so I assume that's what the designs were, but
0: they just look like, I don't know, like a foreign language of <laughs> yeah. sorts. Like a kanji or katakani or some yeah. Japanese language. But, yeah. yeah, I'm guessing they're threes because of the third cat.
1: Yeah. If you look down... At the bottom, where the eight point five percent a b v you can see a feather if you hit the, the yeah if you hit the, the the light correct, you can actually see outlines in the background, so I wonder like if there's any like significance to like the design underneath the black background, like okay, it caught a bird <laughs> and those are the feathers yeah. floating <laughs> up
0: behind it yeah, supplemental messages we're here to eat you. <laughs> Uh, and then it's got the Indiana City logo and the 18th Street logos, like, on either side, symmetrically. Pretty cool. I like the color that pops.
1: Yeah, dude, it definitely stands out to you. If you were to go to the brewery when it was open, they had that, the, the shelf, the the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And so you look into there, and they have a lot of, like... There's some that are like really fancy colors, like especially if you did the Doodle Crew yeah. and all that stuff is very fancy colors. But then you'd have a lot of their mundane cans like that are they're, they're the regular,
0: they're, Yeah, their year-round beers are kind of just black backgrounds with some text and yeah. a picture. This just
1: pops out with that yeah. color.
0: The reason we're doing it on this episode is because not only Alien versus Predator, Indiana City versus 18th Street, but also because of the cat, Jonesy is like the only other survivor from the first Alien. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the beer, I guess. It's time to talk about the color. It is black as they come. Yep. This is a Baltic Porter, very dark. And we are going to go with the darkest option, which is Xenomorph in space. How fitting. (laughs) Yeah. I feel
1: like we we could have, you know, got some precise lights down, (laughs) uh, looking directly at that on the rim, but I'm totally on board with doing.
0: It's got this nice little layer of tan head on top. That's really the only color Mm -hmm. that you can get from it
1: smell wise it's your basic porter smell
0: yeah i'm not getting a ton mine is all the way to the brim so it's yeah basically going straight up my nose there are hints i don't know of i don't want to say coffee but like a like a bitter Mm -hmm. note like a bitter coffee yeah there's something if you smell the can there's some spice to it
1: Mm -hmm. uh i'm just not sure like what type of spice that is Uh, i don't really know the makeup of a baltic porter versus like a london porter right um, but I'm assuming it has to be something uh, I don't know from that area that makes it a distinction. Like you use something from that the Baltic area, uh, you know, seasonings or spices or whatever to give it something. I don't know. I, I remember checking this in. I don't remember like honestly what it tasted like. <laughs> like two, <laughs> two years, years ago. three years ago, whatever.
0: Yeah. When they first released it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is kind of like a coco nibby mm-hmm. type smell, but uh, let's see what it tastes like.
1: I thought you would never ask. <laughs> All right, so up front you have a little bit of a burn.
0: Yep. Um, of
1: course, it's 8% for a porter. Quite, uh quite dense. Um, it's kind of got a thicker mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. Kind of gritty. Mm, yeah, I can see that. Like if you've ever, you know, added cinnamon to
0: something and didn't mix it very well you would go to drink it and you're like oh that's just gritty this uh guatemalan honey has crystallized yeah oh, yeah maybe uh but i guess all around it's a it's a pretty unique flavor yeah it's kind of packed with flavor right? mm-hmm. with that those that honey and those cocoa nibs definitely like a dark chocolate kind of flavor mm-hmm. definitely and the honey just
1: smooths it out mm-hmm. It uh, gives it a little bit of like a, I don't know, like a, uh, it's not quite a tang, but it's it's some flavor that it's outside of like a bittery
0: porter mm-hmm. or like a cacao bitter. <laughs> Adds a little maybe s- sweeter uh, mm-hmm. notes to it. So it's not just like, bitter dark chocolate. I'm looking at Untapped and I see there are 241 ratings with a 3.94 average. Very good. That's Almost a four.
1: It's pretty Yeah, pretty good for your own. For a porter, those don't really yeah. do very well in untapped usually. It's more of a stout. It kind of is closer to a stout. I love yeah. Let me tell you that Allison did not help at all with this rating because she didn't rate it. Oh, no. I don't know. So you didn't help. I was going to say, like, because I have someone who rated it something. And I was like, oh, Allison rated it that. But that was that not was the case. That probably probably you. was you. <laughs> so she technically didn't help. <laughs> she didn't do anything. She didn't write anything. Me, I didn't write anything either. Imagine that.
0: Oh, this one is a pink cat.
1: Oh shoot!
0: And I think it's in a bottle, so maybe that's.
1: Oh, that's the bourbon barrel aged version. Okay, so that's the yes, variance yes, that I they released. It. Yeah, it's probably what in like May or June or something like that, because that's when they come out with their uh, Tales of the Crypt. Yeah, and they yeah, 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 have like some the Tabernacle and other random Mimi's Mimi's breakfast. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> this that's is accurate. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. It basically flipped the colors, so where the pink is on the can is now blue, and where the blue is on the can, it's Mm -hmm. changed to pink. So that's pretty cool. Uh, That's from Black Yoda. He's one of my friends. Good reconnecting with the man in H, the BA version of this, is strong. He didn't give it a score, though. Renee
1: Flowers. This is interesting. Um, Before I read it, coffee? Do you taste coffee in this? Not really. Yeah. I wasn't thinking so either. That one I almost didn't read this comment because I just don't. I don't agree with this coffee, but she gave it a four, so she's definitely a fan. Uh, and she said, "Coffee yum yum, strange cola mouthfeel," and I think I can get behind that. It's, it's not quite carbonated, yeah, but it's got the sh- like the, the sugary, like syrupy yeah. flavor from that honey that kind of gives you some kind of like aftertaste. It's
0: like if you get a Coke from like a mcdonald's or something and the mm-hmm. co2 is not all the way up so it's kind of flatter but it mm-hmm. still has the like syrup flavor all Right. wendy
1: swain checked this in around the same time you did october 22 she gave it a five she didn't write anything i really wish like yeah people would, who wrote fives like give a reason for that
0: i would um, be helpful if you're gonna say it's like a perfect beer what leads you to that conclusion
1: yeah like this, C.J. Alv- uh, Alred. I almost read Alfred. Alred <laughs> it does look like that. Ah, yeah. uh, 4- 475. I and mean, he said, so smooth for a Baltic porter. So that's something, right? Yeah, that helps.
0: Yeah. I'm not seeing anything else. I'm just going to read mine because I scrolled to it. Okay. And we've got a lot to talk about. So I said a nice, roasty, malty flavor with notes of chocolate and honey that leaves a sharp bitterness on the palate. And I gave it a 375. That's not bad. Uh, the bitterness isn't as noticeable this time around for me, so I don't know. Maybe I had a different beer before it or after right. it that led me to that, but 375, uh, maybe I could bump it up to a four, but I think that's a pretty good score. Right.
1: I don't know. I don't do a whole lot of edits to my yeah, scores, well, usually, unless I honestly fuck up. But if it's like a if it's a difference in a quarter of a, a cap or whatever, I usually don't tend to do that. Yeah. With that being said, I gave this a three seventy five. <laughs> of course, was, you did, and I was thinking a four. <laughs> like drinking this yeah, again, it's, it's really
0: in that area. Yeah,
1: like another two years, you know, ahead. I like it better than I think I did back then, and I think maybe I was a little swayed when I was drinking it because Allison didn't like it as much, um, and so it was like kind of like a like a I don't know earworm kind of in my yeah. in my head thinking oh yeah maybe I, maybe I don't like this as much. But did you have it on draft? I don't think so. Oh no! It says can next to your chicken. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did click that. Yeah, I pre-ordered this one and picked it up. Um, it was in April of 2021. I don't quite remember if I was at that stage of my life where I was going back out yet or not. So I think right. I was still just buying cans. So I, I, I think that the the only difference is this tastes better to me now. But I still think it is in that 375 yeah. range. I do like the, the the bitterness. I am tasting the bitterness. But the bitterness comes from chocolate. Yeah. So the, the dark chocolate flavor of candies, I like. And yeah. So like I'm not opposed to that it's bitterness. Not like a bitter hop
0: aftertaste yeah. or something like that. That's a little more grating.
1: Yeah. So I think if I drank this fresh for the first time, like right now, it probably would be in that four range. Yeah. Um, which makes it hard for me to say why it's not
0: a four range. But. <laughs> Maybe aging it helped yeah. or changed it a little bit. So. Who knows? That sound means it's time to talk about the Alien franchise. (laughs) Alien is a science fiction horror and action media franchise centered on the film series which depicts warrant officer Ellen Ripley, played by Sigourney Weaver in the first four movies, and her battle with an extraterrestrial life form commonly referred to as the Alien or Xenomorph. Produced and distributed by 20th Century Studios, the series began with Alien in 1979 directed by Ridley Scott, followed up by three sequels, Aliens in 86 directed by James Cameron, Alien 3 or Alien Cubed I think <laughs> on the actual title yeah. in 92 directed by David Fincher, and Alien Resurrection, Resurrection in 97 directed by Jean-Pierre Jeunet. 1A? Oh yeah, you're probably right. French. Mm-hmm. They don't say T's. Scott also directed the prequel series composed of or comprised of Prometheus in 2012 and Alien Covenant in 2017 which follows the exploits of David Aide played by Michael Fassbender, Android, and the creators of the eponymous creatures referred to as The Engineers. The series has also led to numerous novels, comics, video games, and upcoming television series, which is developed by Scott for FX on Hulu with Noah Hawley. I'm not sure if that's still happening, but we'll get to that later with the Disney purchase. I'm not sure where the series is at. Yeah. It has inspired a number of spin-offs most notably the Alien vs Predator series, which combines the continuities of the Alien franchise with the Predator franchise and consists of two films as well as various series of comic books and video games.
1: Yeah. I will say that watching these movies recently and
0: I preface this by saying I was
1: in the, I have to watch all the Predators, so I was watching all this. I feel like the Alien versus Predator movie series is from the Predator perspective. It totally is. Okay. I was making sure that it That's, wasn't, like, crazy.
0: Yeah, because the Alien, well, the Predators have more of a personality than the Aliens do. Right. And they're, like, more humanistic, so you can kind of relate to them more, yep. whereas the Alien is just, like a cr- bug or a creature that right, you exactly. need squash. And like the kind of like the idea, the theory behind it,
1: which we'll get into later is the predator has to kill an alien to earn its stripes or whatever. And so it's definitely like in the perspective or in the mindset that everyone can get behind and say, like, oh, I get this. I understand yeah. this. Like we're, they're hunters. They need to do this.
0: Yeah. They're both bad guys, but at least the predator you can work with or kind of communicate with. Mm-hmm. More than the alien. All right, let's move on to the franchise overview. We're just going to talk about each movie individually in the alien franchise. We'll touch on the alien versus predator movies, but since they're more predator focused, we'll cover those in the predator episode. Sounds good. So, the first alien on its way back to Earth, the commercial towing vehicle Nostromo is diverted to a desolate planetoid by a cryptic signal from a derelict alien spaceship inside the alien's ship. The crew discovers thousands of egg like objects. A creature released from one of the eggs attaches itself to a crewman's face, rendering him unconscious. The others break quarantine to return him to the nestromo. The parasite dies, and the crewman wakes up, seemingly unaffected. Soon afterwards, an alien orgasm. organism, not orgasm. <laughs> Burst. I mean, technically, the alien did <laughs> orgasm out yeah. of his chest. <laughs> that's true. Maybe it orgasmed into his mouth. That's how it yeah, that's impregnated true. him. He's like, mm, fuck. <laughs> It bursts from his chest and grows rapidly into a large, lethal creature, which the surviving crew attempt to kill. The Nostromo is destroyed in an unsuccessful attempt to kill the creature, leaving Ellen Rimpley and a cat as the only survivors in the ship's lifeboat.
1: Look at that, the third cat. <laughs> the first cat. Oh, the first cat. All right, so I think my biggest takeaway... This is the dumbest takeaway, but my biggest takeaway of this movie is if I were a horny teenager in the 80s, I think I would fucking love oh, yeah. this
0: movie. Like the last 30 minutes is going to Reaver, like in her underwear, yeah, in, like a tiny shirt. Yeah,
1: she's <laughs> literally getting ready to put herself in under her cryo freeze. It. It's like you couldn't stop to pick up like a pair of shorts. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: God, I think she hated that, didn't she? I think she was not happy with it. But then looking back on it now, she's like, well, I had a pretty good body, so I'm glad I showed it off then instead of now <laughs> or yeah. something like that. Right. So, that yeah, this is a great kind of slasher movie, horror movie mm-hmm. that just, like, it's kind of what Jace, inspires Jason X later and stuff right. like that, that it's just a one killer in space that you're trying to hide from or avoid or kill.
1: Right. But it also has, like, an element that's, like, outside of... The horror film tropes, mm-hmm. where it's you—you you as a species, not just like you as like dumb camp people—are are trying to do something. Uh, and I don't remember the premise of this one. I just watched Covenant more recently, so I know like the premise of that one. But you're literally on a mission to do something, and. You fucked around and now you're finding out. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like more of like a survival mode yeah. instead of like a slasher movie where it's, you know, we have these threats out in the outer outer space, but now we're actually living this. So if you if you slap, I don't know, a little bit more of backstory into this, you run into uh like that one movie with Matthew McConaughey.
0: Oh yeah. Where he
1: jumps in- to the portal Interstellar? Interstellar, yeah. You get Michael Bay, or not Michael Bay, uh, I don't know, Michael Giacchino to write the score for <laughs> yeah. you versus whatever it was in 1979 or something. You have yourself an entirely different movie.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of what they do with the sequels. They kind of change genres each time where right. we'll get to, I guess we can move on. Like this, We'll rank them later, so we'll get more into our thoughts then. But uh, in Aliens, did you want to read this one? Yeah, I'll go ahead and do that one, yeah. All right,
1: Aliens came out in 1986. I still was not alive yet. Mm-hmm. The hero was born. Yeah. After 57 years in hypersleep, which is cool because she gets the hypersleep prior movie. Yeah, at the very thing. end of the first
0: movie. So you kind of figure
1: out, like, time travel sucks, <laughs> or at least space travel sucks. Yeah, she's
0: just floating around waiting to be picked up.
1: Yeah. Ripley awakens aboard a medical space station orbiting Earth. She recounts the events of the Nostromo, but is disbelieved by her superiors and the uh, Weyland-Yutani Corporation, which has now begun to terraform and colonize the planetoid from the first movie. When contact with the colony is lost, Ripley is persuaded to accompany a squad of Marines to investigate. They discover the colonists have been wiped out after being directed by the company to secure the derelict ship reported by Ripley. There's only one survival. Survivor. (laughs) It a girl easy as named Newt. Yeah. I mean, I have like words just jumping out at me in the page. It's really tough. The aliens vastly outnumber and quickly overwhelm the Marines who fought for survival. Only a handful, including Ripley and Newt, escaped. Um, one thing to note about aliens, which is Aliens too, Bill Paxton is in this movie. <laughs> That's true.
0: And he's in the second Predator. Very interesting that he's in... <laughs> Both of these, so I wonder if this is, in this movie, is like an ancestor, because it takes place hundreds of years after (laughs) Predator 2, like, if they're related.
1: I mean, mean kind of like a fun, like, fan theory that you can do, especially if, like, it's like, oh, what's the year? Perfect. (laughs)
0: Yeah. It's like 2100 or something like that.
1: Yeah. Which is wild, because Covenant was 2136 or something like that. So it's, like, really, like, closely Mm -hmm. gapped, like... We can't
0: think too far ahead in the future. (laughs) That's right. We just can't do it. And this one changes the game and makes it, or the movie, it makes it more an action movie where Uh we got marines fighting a group of aliens, and it moves away from the horror genre into like an action marines movie. It kind of reminds me of like the first Predator,
1: right? Where you have like the the fuck out these people. I can handle Mm -hmm. my stuff. Marine, rah rah rah, whatever chance that they do in that predator movie where you have i mean even in this in this movie what in 86 you're gonna have the sleazy man like misogynist marine guy
0: (laughs) yes imagine that it's interesting because the first predator movie came out in 87 yeah a year after this one so it was probably very inspired by like the marines and the hunting of an alien and exactly yeah Uh, then we have alien 3 immediately following the events of aliens the military ship USS Sulaco, carrying the survivors, catches fire. The occupants are ejected into escape pods, which crash land on a refinery prison planet, Fiona, or Fury 161. All on board except Ripley are killed. An alien facehugger is also aboard and impregnates an animal with an alien, which soon begins killing inmates and wardens. Ripley discovers an alien queen is growing inside her and is determined to kill both herself and a creature before Weyland-Yutani can exploit them. So that's one thing we haven't really touched on. The Weyland-Yutani Corporation goes through like this whole series, and their whole goal is to capture an alien and use it as a weapon in war. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like their prime directive, right? Yeah.
1: It's like you find you go through the events of the movie, the survival aspect of it, and then you just find out that it, like the androids are controlled by this corporation or
0: created by this corporation.
1: And all they're doing is trying to secure their legacy. Mm-hmm. Trying to get that alien for testing. I think there's only one successful movie with that. Yeah. Uh, the end of this one sucks because it's essentially the end of Ripley. Yeah, Unless they do something prior uh, kind of like a, a prequel, if you will. But she's, she's got a Something growing inside of her, so the next course of action is either she's going to burst and die or
0: kill herself. Yeah, and then if she does, if she does burst and die, then she's going to be responsible for more kill, deaths because the alien queen is going to yeah. rampage and produce more aliens. So she's mm-hmm. got to take it into her own hand. It's a really cool shot where it's like bursting through her chest as she's jumping into that magma or whatever yeah, that is. was really weird. Virus. I don't know. <laughs>
1: Like, so it's this movie in the terminator like i don't ever separate them because it's like the same fucking yeah. thing like where'd they get this vat of magma or this <laughs> fire in this warehouse yeah
0: <laughs> I don't understand there shouldn't be a big giant open vat of magma anywhere or liquid metal yeah that's how you get jokers <laughs> yeah any open vats should always be covered Hell, even the pickle man, (laughs) (laughs) American pickle, or whatever it was—that Seth Rogen movie. (laughs) Uh, It's interesting. James Cameron did Terminator. He also did Aliens, Mm -hmm. so he is connected in a way to this film, somewhat indirectly.
1: Uh, Which leads to the movie I thought would be like the Ripley comeback, which was the Alien resurrection. I was like, oh, look at that! (laughs) They did it. They figured it out a way. Figured a way. Nineteen ninety-seven. Uh, 200 years after the events of Alien 3, several clones of Ripley, including the Alien Queen she was carrying, are grown by the military aboard the USM Aruga. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Idiots. Gosh, they don't they don't learn. It's like they're making a new emperor. A lot. Yeah, yeah, they're like, oh, we might as well just clone. And make some Snokes. Yeah. Make <laughs> a Ripley. It's like, oh, the Snoke, it couldn't. It doesn't quite look. Let's just, like, throw, like, robes on him. Like He's, <laughs> he's going to be the new the new leader while we figure out this thing. Ian McDermott, you on board? All right, yeah. Uh, the military intends to exploit the aliens and use humans kidnapped and delivered to them by a group of mercenaries as hosts for the Queen's Egg. So, human trafficking is well mm-hmm. going on in this movie. The aliens escape in Ripley 8, a clone mixed with alien DNA, and the mercenaries attempt to escape and destroy... The Arulia before it reaches Earth i don't remember this this one
0: isn't it's widely regarded as one of the worst ones just because of it, it ruins the ending of the trilogy by bringing Ripley back so that but you do want to go on a rever I hope she comes back again, even though that will right. like fuck up the timeline even more or whatever but yep. she's just so great in these movies you want to see her fight that alien in every one of them but mm-hmm. They messed that up by killing her in the previous one. I forgot to mention in alien three, it was also annoying that the whole plot of aliens is to save newt or in that or their relationship. And then they just kill her in the opening of alien three. But I guess they, I don't think that kid actor wanted to come back or something. I don't know.
1: It was, yeah, it was kind of like a give a reason just like the first one. She had a reason to survive. Yeah. This is cat. This one, she has a reason to survive this child. Um, it kind of, I don't know, kind of, like, le- led into, like, the mommy, like, yeah. aspects. Of- and there's,
0: like, a deleted scene or deleted storyline in that movie where Ripley did have a child on Earth. But when she was in cryo-freeze for 57 years, her child has grown up and died. So that's mm-hmm. why she has this connection with Newt. But that was cut out. So that, I was like, that's kind of weird that they cut that out. Like, that makes right. that whole story much stronger, like, that relationship. But, yeah,
1: I think they like, I think I saw that. For whatever reason. I think there's a director's cut yeah, where they put it back I, in. Yeah, I think I might have watched that one because that sounds familiar. Like, I know something like that happened in Interstellar, the movie I just yeah. reference, But it's also in this one where, like, in Aliens, she visits somebody and she kind of has, like, mm. this conversation with them. Uh,
0: in Alien Resurrections, also the one with Renona Ryder in her an early role and maybe a middle role. And I think she plays the android. It's been a long time since I watched this one. So I don't remember a ton of it. I know Joss Whedon wrote the first draft of the script, and you can see kind of a Firefly aspects to it because of like the group of mercenaries have all that kind of quippy dialogue that the Firefly crew does. So that's kind of interesting part of it, but... The, the start of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, overall, it's not a bad movie. It's just kind of lesser than the previous three. Then we've got the Prometheus prequel series, Some 30 years before the events of Alien, scientists Elizabeth Shaw and Charlie Holloway discover a star map among the remnants of several ancient Earth cultures. Accompanied by David in hoping to discover the origins of humanity, they journey aboard the spaceship USCSS Prometheus and arrive on the distant planet LV-223 in the Zeta-2 Reticuli system. These are all important yeah, you gotta... <laughs> weird names to remember. There's going to be a quiz at the end. <laughs> uh, the same region of space in which the planetoid LV-426 from Alien is found. That's really the only important thing to note there. There they discover the ancient remains of an advanced civilization called the Engineers, the same race as the dead pilot from the derelict ship in the first Alien movie, who were developing biological weapons in the form of a pathogenic mutagen, which could... Have driven the human race extinct. The horrors they encounter result in the loss of the crew, except for David and Shaw.
1: Yeah, when I was watching Prometheus, I thought like Elizabeth Shaw character mm-hmm. was gonna be like the the next like Ripley character.
0: I think that was the idea. She was supposed to come back for the sequel, but then like the movie didn't perform super well, so they kind of changed directions yeah. with that and made it more of an alien movie. This one I I like because it's different from the previous alien movies but it's also kind of what hurts the movie because it takes place in the world but it's only my kind of connected in some ways you see like the the alien creature or Mm -hmm. the engineer we finally kind of get to know because in the first alien movie we come across the ship with the dead engineer in it and it's just like unexplained it's just there and we are left with like okay something happened here but we have no idea and this kind of fills in that gap a little bit yeah
1: it also seems like a like an earlier like life form it, it yeah. does it's like not as evolved yeah in these movies like this one and covenant where it's like that's not a xenomorph that... no no
0: it's not it's xenomorphs are interesting because they take on the traits of the thing that they face hug mm-hmm. so in three or i think it's three where it face hugs a dog and now it's more got more dog-like Right. aspects to it it's, runs on four legs and stuff like that and that's kind of a cool thing and then we see the Predator alien in alien versus predator requiem where it has like predator aspects to it so that i like that part of the xenomorphs i don't know yeah whatever you call them. it just it basically <laughs> takes over the dna of the host yeah essentially and it kind of merges and kind of makes a hybrid of a xenomorph slash whatever mm-hmm. but yeah i mean
1: in i guess prometheus they have like the definition of like fucking around and finding out. Yeah,
0: it's they're so stupid. Like putting their finger in that weird goo, and then that's how they kind of get the alien in them. It's like it's a big pot of goo. Why would you put your hand in <laughs> mysterious alien goo? Yeah, it's no thanks. You're on a, a planet that you don't know. Things are. I think they have already come across the room with like dead. Yeah. People are like, it was barricaded and like they open it up and there's like dead people inside. It's like, oh, something bad is here, so leave.
1: It's like, oh, well, we're fine. They're already dead. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, what what killed
0: them? Right. It's probably still there. Yeah. The ship is still there.
1: Uh, But I do like David Fassbender in this. Yeah, he's great. Michael Fassbender, he plays David. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Michael Fassbender who plays David. Yeah. My bad. My bad. Uh, Which leads into Alien Covenant, uh, which was one of the last movies that I watched came out in 2017. I guess I was wrong. I was thinking 2134, but it's actually 2104. Almost 11 years after the disastrous expedition to the distant moon LV223 in Prometheus, the deep space colonization vessel USCSS Covenant <laughs> is on course for the remote planet of uh, Orge 6 with more than 2,000 colonists in cryogenic hibernation to build a new world. Instead, a rogue transmission entices the crew to a nearby habitable planet, which resembles Earth. As a result, the unsuspecting crew members of the Covenant will have to cope with biological foes beyond human comprehension. Now, what started as a peaceful, exploratory mission will soon turn into a desperate rescue operation in uncharted space. Is there an escape from the treacherous, mysterious planet? Not really. No, no, not really. Uh, I think this was correct me if I'm wrong, the first Alien movie to have like sex in it. Oh uh,
0: yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean my boobies alert went off. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it, none of the other ones do. Just like a little bit of Seguina Weaver in her underwear. That's and about it. But this one, sex we
1: get. We saw you know an unnamed actress and her boobs <laughs> <laughs> near the end of the movie. So it's like, yeah, there's boobs in this movie. You're gonna have to watch the entire movie (laughs) to get before you even get to the boobs. Uh, I will say that I wonder what the budget of this movie was because they have James Franco
0: for not even (laughs) like anything in the movie, like like, for like three lines of dialogue. Yeah, he must have done a favor. I because He's friends with Danny McBride from yeah. Pineapple Express, and Danny McBride had something to do with this movie. He's obviously in it, but I think he also had yeah. stuff to do behind the scenes. So, he, like, it's a, possible he might have just been like, Hey, come do this for me. <laughs> First five minutes of the movie, they incinerate him
1: yeah. to death, <laughs> which I never understood. Why would you have cryogenic tubes outfitted with like an absolute yeah, inferno? stuff that could kill you? <laughs> I don't, um, I, I don't understand. I don't understand genetics enough to know like
0: why you need to incinerate the pod at any point. We also have oh, what's his face uh, from Memento? Guy Ritchie is that? His yeah. Name? For some reason that sounds wrong to me, but uh, he plays Wayland Utan or like a descent or ancestor of Wayland mm-hmm. as part of the Wayland Utani Corporation, and he's got like really bad old guy makeup on. And these, but then you find out. In in Covenant, because he's like in a flashback where he's actually young, I think, or something like that. But it's like a weird small role for him too. Yeah, it's like oh man, they literally like
1: they went all out with the the casting for this. And then they they, I don't want to be rude, but it's not Shaw, it's not Zironi Weaver, but the the new captain of this ugly as hell. <laughs> like I, I was like I can't, I don't judge my captainship on a, the attractiveness of the actress or actor. But I was like, God, there's something weird about her face.
0: Yeah, it's like Charlize Theron in
1: Prometheus, I think. And then yeah, we got this Captain Vickers or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then we have whatever this person is. They spent their, budge, their, uh, their budget on getting James Franco for a three lines. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: I don't remember. I've seen this movie once when it came out, so I don't remember like the plot. But it's the same basic setup yeah. where they like, on their way somewhere, and they get distracted by this yeah. distress caller. Or-
1: so they they hear a song, and David Mc, uh, Danny McBride is like, "That's John Denver." Mm. And so they're like, "We got to figure out what this transmission is." And there's like a big like conflict. Like on the ship determining if they should, should go. go or check
0: or, on them or go to the planet where they're supposed to And so to.
1: the the main person is like, No, we're not going <laughs> But the current captain is like, Yes, we gotta we're go. going oh. And so they go with the captain. Clearly it's the really captain. Saying. And then he ends up dying
0: on the thing. <laughs> Most of them die, there's like three
1: survivors or something. Yeah danny mcbride is one of them yeah for
0: fuck's sake and then we've got two michael fassbenders in this i th- yep. think because yeah. he plays like a good android and then a bad android and then yeah so it's the it's the new it's david and i th- this guy has a
1: different name i don't remember i don't remember the oh gosh oh it's on the tip of my tongue i might as well just google it right now <laughs> we got time it's like i want to say wyatt but that's not right like walter that sounds right yeah it's walter yep it's walter um, yeah, so he plays David and Walter, the same per like, same look, just
0: one looks, you know, uncouth. And the other one looks already fine. fought an alien once. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, the one David is, like, trying to wipe out humanity, or he's trying to get the xenomorph or whatever, and then the, the other, Walter, is, like, a good guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's just, like, he was programmed to protect the colonists, where David was programmed to get the specimen. Yeah and so i think the biggest like thing at the end of this movie was he put everyone to sleep and then like the captain like realizes it's the it's wrong one and he's basically like closes it up and's freezing it and he's like <laughs> i got you uh with the middle finger up and everything uh, and then like he just spits out the egg oh god of an alien as they're traveling to where they're going so it's like yeah he succeeded yeah i think he's like the first one yep to succeed with
0: getting like a sample or something. And that's meant to set up, because this was supposed to be a trilogy, but uh, the, I don't know what happened. Once Disney bought Fox, it kind of changed the whole plan. And plus this movie wasn't like a huge box office success as they thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll see where it goes. We have a little bit more information on that later. But the Alien vs. Predator and Alien vs. Predator Requiem were also in this timeline, but they're, they don't fit. They're not really... They changed the whole alien timeline because in alien movies, we learn that Xenomorphs have never been to Earth. Mm-hmm. And then in the AVP movies, we find out, oh, they've been here the whole time. They're like in the pyramids. Yeah, <laughs> like
1: in Antarctica. Like, yeah. There's like a weird like transition. Like we're going to this place that's not really like explored because we need the, the, the top scientists, but also like marine people to yeah. go investigate this area. And they go and it's like some ancient civilization. It's almost... I don't know, like a part of the the earth was one continent before it yeah. broke up type of... Like, yeah, feel. Yeah, definitely Pangea. And they have all these runes and markings that they can fucking read. <laughs> like, oh yeah, no, this is like ancient... We've been studying whatever. this even though it's
0: the first time we've ever seen it.
1: Yeah, and so it, it was pretty wild. And it definitely was a Predator movie uh, in a sense because it was the Predator who was hunting the aliens as more of like a... Like a life, yeah.
0: Because uh, the predators' whole thing is like training and hunting and like bringing back trophies and, and well, to the, prove that they're worthy or whatever. Yeah,
1: but the trophies were more so of a. And you find this out in the predator stuff. Yeah, it is more of like a they're harvesting the best of yes, the strongest. The best. The, yeah,
0: to prove that they're worthy of being a predator. <laughs> right, but
1: then they also use the spinal fluid to evolve.
0: Yeah. And, well and they learn as they fight yeah, and they exactly. keep evolving as they fight stronger and stronger people so that's why they go to this ice place yeah. <laughs> to fight the aliens because that's like the ultimate trophy yeah and then the second one like I had to google a couple
1: of the actresses uh, to make sure that they were of age <laughs> uh, because
0: it, they're they very like, on the cusp of, yeah no, like the, they're like and the, but they're also like in like skimpy outfits. Exactly.
1: Stuff. They're like they're about to go swimming. Yeah. She's like, I didn't bring my suit and she like strips down to like her bra and underwear. I was like, Pause, Google, what's her name?
0: <laughs> <laughs> she must be over eighteen. She's gotta be yeah, in her thirties by she'd now. She'd have to be. But
1: it doesn't necessarily matter because apparently in the Romeo and Juliet oh, like yeah. T V show or movie or whatever, they they have an underage actress <laughs> who's naked in it and they're getting sued for this. So I'm obviously gonna be like she's a smoke show let me google
0: to make sure this is i'm not a pervert no. yeah let me, just because i watched this movie yeah, let me
1: let me know if i need to fast forward
0: <laughs> you're not gonna be labeled as a predator no
1: nope, that's <laughs> no that's not what i want so yeah the the, the two movies are very similar with the aspects. Of, like, what the, the ploy yeah. is, but they're different settings. Yeah. And the Alien vs. Predator Requiem is more of a, like, the horror film slasher. The people make dumb fucking mistakes.
0: Yeah. Got these dumb townies, and, yeah. right. We're focused too much on the people in this one, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't like it as much, but. I keep them separate from the Alien franchise and the Predator franchise. Yeah, I mean, they're, I honestly,
1: if but they're fun, just like what if stories? Them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, what if story? Yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you just drop them, just yeah. just drop them, and we're we're good. We have a solid, few good Alien movies, and of course, a solid good uh, few
0: Predator movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then talk about the future because I alluded it to a little bit. So uh, Sigourney Weaver has expressed interest into returning to the role of ripley with neil Blomkamp's story proposably titled alien awakening which mm-hmm. would tie into the first two alien films by taking place after aliens and foregoing the involvement of the two sequels sort of like the halloween franchise did by ignoring all the sequels except for the first movie mm-hmm. this was canceled in favor of scott's own third prequel which was going to be also called alien awakening and then that was also canceled following disappointment. Box office of Alien Covenant. I was also disappointed by Alien Covenant
1: box office because I picked it in my fucking... Oh, that's right. It came out (laughs) during this podcast. We picked it for the summer movie wager.
0: (laughs) Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Uh, Then in 2019, James Cameron stated that he was working on Reviving Bond Camp's project. But in 2020, Brandywine Productions revealed that a screenplay for a new installment for the original series called Alien 5 centered around Ripley had been written... In an interview with The Hollywood Reporter published in 2002, Hill confirmed in the proposed alternative sequel involving Weaver would not be moving forward. So that's a bummer. Yeah. And James Cameron's so busy with his Avatar stuff, so I don't yeah. think he's ever going to come back to the Alien franchise. It's pretty wild because it takes him 30 years to write the fucking
1: Avatar movie. <laughs> exactly. Or it would probably take him like two years to do an Alien, just get that in there. Yeah,
0: in the it's been eight years since the per, first Avatar. You could have done two Alien movies. I know. But honestly, he's setting himself up. Like, he doesn't have to work ever no. again. All of his movies are huge. You never bet against James Cameron. Nope. Hell, he could probably retired after Titanic. And oh, been yeah. like one of the greatest... <laughs> directors ever like the in the top three yeah. box office of all time after the acquisition of 21st century fox by the disney company it was officially confirmed at the 2019 CinemaCon that the future alien films are in development in may 2019 variety reported that the third prequel film was in a script phase ridley scott was attached to serve once again as director but in september 2020 scott confirmed that the work on the next installment is ongoing and was undecided with keeping it tied to the plots of Prometheus and Alien Covenant, which it seems like you have to pay off that egg thing at the end of Alien I Covenant know. somehow.
1: Right. I mean you I mean you technically could, because these, these are technically prequels, right? Yeah. So you could at some point make a uh Sargoni Weaver esque trilogy spin off or yeah. a split And then kind of reference Prometheus, yeah. reference the fact that,
0: no, they succeeded. Right. And then, yeah, you could do it like as a flashback in Alien 5 or something to what happened in Alien, whatever, the prequel, third prequel would have been. Right. And it kind of, I mean, it kind of, I mean, because why
1: would Waylon want to harvest as much of these as possible if they didn't have the original specimen from the Prometheus or from Alien Covenant? where. He succeeded. He got this sample, this one alien to Waylon. Waylon did whatever research they needed yeah. to do. And they're like, this isn't enough. We need more.
0: Apparently, yeah. Or it never made its way to yeah. Earth or the wherever their little headquarters is. So, right. Clearly, because if they're not, they wouldn't send Ripley up there to find
1: it. <laughs> right. That's fair. I mean, which one would be harder to spin? that it never made it. Like, why? What happened? Like, yeah, we that's, need to know that's that the story yeah, that needs to be filled in. We need that one. Or yeah. the fact that they did succeed and they did want to go. That one's easier yeah. to say. Like, oh, no, they did succeed. They got this. You, we don't need to see a movie of them finishing the research and like, right. like oh, it's successful. Like, oh, cool. <laughs> he, he, the entire movie is Michael Fassbender piloting <laughs> to <laughs> like this. Uh, <laughs> it's just like that that one movie with the man on the spaceship all by himself it just makes replicas of himself forever. The man on the moon. <laughs> moon. Or when, yeah, yeah Sam, Sam moon. Rockwell. Yeah, Sam Rockwell. Like, that, uh, we don't need that movie again. No. Right? <laughs> just just tell me what happens and then just go with the, the series after yeah. everything. Even if we don't get Sir Granny Weaver
0: again, we want to know something after. Yeah. We could have like a younger actress play young Ripley. But then we can't do that because then if it's a prequel to Alien, she would have encountered the alien at some point. Right, that wouldn't it make you, sense because yeah, right. she encounters him for the first time in the first movie.
1: I, I, I still think you need to go past. Yeah, like you just, I think like so forget too. Forget Cerconi Weaver. You know, bless her, Uh but just go past it. Yeah. Like, what happens? Like, maybe make a, a Jurassic Park three style movie where what happens when the, the Earth is infested with, with alien? With alien, like mm-hmm. you succeeded, you got the sample. And, and then it, it broke out of the lab, yeah, coronavirus exactly. style, and now, <laughs> exactly, and now yeah. it's taken over the country. Yeah, Millions of people are dying. It's like, oh, this is a hoax. Yeah, <laughs> No, this is fucking alien. Wear a
0: mask or the face hooker <laughs> will get you. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit more. Uh, in March 2022, The Hollywood Reporter reported... That a new Alien movie set separately from the earlier movies is coming to Hulu, directed by Fede Alvarez and produced by Ridley Scott. Alvarez pitched the idea to Scott years ago and now has the opportunity to make it. In November 2022, Kaylee Spaney was announced to be in talks for the lead role. So apparently they are moving forward. It's going to be like the Hellraiser movie that came mm-hmm. out in 2022. That's just like straight to Hulu. Mm -hmm. I think that's their new model, Uh, so we'll see. It sucks that they dropped that one I alluded to in the opening with Noah Hawley, for the uh, with Scott, really Scott back in Noah Hawley because Noah Hawley did Legion and the Fargo series and a bunch of other good stuff. So I would have liked to see what he did, Mm -hmm. or Neil Blomkamp. He's he did District Nine and some Matt Damon movie. District Nine is so good. Yeah, so I would that would have been a cool fit too, but we'll see. Obviously, aliens not going anywhere. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Now it's time <laughs> to talk about our rankings. I believe you co-signed to this, so this was our rankings. Yeah, yeah. I looked
1: over. <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I wanted to tell you just leave seven and eight off. Of yeah, there. that's why I just put them at the
0: bottom as like yeah.
1: references. But
0: so it pretty much goes
1: in order. Of release with the with the flip of Covenant and Prometheus yeah. for sure.
0: So it's Alien as one, number one. Aliens is number two. Alien three is number three. Alien Resurrection is number four. Alien Covenant is number five, and Prometheus is number six. Yeah, I
1: think the only like edit I would do to this one is drop Alien Resurrection underneath Prometheus and shift all those up. I think I agree with you. Yeah, it's like after we talked about these. I don't remember Resurrection yeah. as well as I remember Prometheus or Covenant.
0: The only thing that Resurrection has is nostalgia, because I watched yeah. it 20 years ago, and that it's more for, uh, set in my mind. But right. I think the I would rather watch Covenant or Prometheus again. Right. But that's that. Right. And I think, like, uh, if you've ever listened to Drinking Geek Out, like—
1: we have such a hard on for first movies, yes. So we we like the introduction of movies way better mm-hmm. than any of the sequels. So obviously, number one has to be
0: Alien. Just- yeah, Alien and Aliens are real close and then the rest are behind that (laughs)
1: right i mean i mean the only reason why aliens is close is because we grew up in a genre of action movies with danny glover and mel gibson james cameron's directing
0: is really good in that right
1: exactly so it's like oh yeah we like these action Mm. cop movies Mm. (laughs) yeah like that's what we grew up on exactly
0: one more segment to get to perfect it's the music segment this is the main title theme for Alien. So how this m- segment usually goes is uh, I play one song from each movie just to get the feel of right. the tone of the song or the score. Right. Then I'll read a couple of taglines and give you some information on the composer while the song is playing.
1: Sounds good. I think the, the main takeaway for all the Alien sounds, uh, this is coming from my the D-Ghost Perspective is a, a lot of these... Sound, they're not memorable songs. No. They're just there to give you background and feel, uh, set the mood for the movie. Exactly.
0: So the tagline for this first movie is, In space, no one can hear you scream. Oh, shit. One of the best taglines for any film, I think. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that hits you. <laughs> yeah. It's iconic at this point. Uh, the score is... For Alien was composed by Jerry Goldsmith cl- uh, Very prolific composer Conducted by Lionel Newman And performed Now the song I picked up I got turned on a little bit yeah, just, It just ramped up I don't hate it Yeah, I, it's not It really sets the tone well But yeah, it's hard to talk over when it gets louder than me Goldsmith wanted to create a sense of romanticism and lyrical mystery in the film's opening scenes, which would build throughout the film to suspense and fear. Scott did not like Goldsmith's original main title piece. However, so Goldsmith rewrote it as the obvious thing, weird and strange, which everybody loved. Goldsmith later remarked, You can see what... I was sort of, like, going at opposite ends of the pole with the filmmaker. Nonetheless, Scott praised Goldsmith's score as full of dark beauty and seriously threatening but beautiful. It was nominated for a Golden Globe for the Best Original Score, a Grammy for Best Soundtrack Album, and it won a BAFTA award for best film music. The American Film Institute respectively ranked Goldsmith's score for Chinatown and Planet of the Apes number 9 and 8 on their list of 25 greatest film scores. He did Planet of the
1: Apes too? Yep. Oh, nice. The uh, 1980s, eight,
0: 1968 version, not the <laughs> Tim Burton version. I think well, yeah, that was the, probably Danny Elfman. <laughs> I mean, the good one. <laughs> the good Planet Or the, the Apes James Franco f- one. Yeah, oh. Uh, well, that's, uh, I think that's called something else.
1: I feel like someone's going to have more of a... Uh, Uh, Hoorah, like tagline for this movie.
0: Yeah. All right, here we go. We're going to have to bump that up. Here's the main theme from Aliens. Taglines include, This time there's more. This time it's war. There are some places in the universe you don't go alone. And somewhere in the deepest space... All hell is breaking loose. <laughs> I don't like these at they're all. They're definitely not as good as the f- first movie.
1: Yeah, I was like, this time there's more. More what? <laughs> aliens. More aliens, yeah, clearly. It's like <laughs> More
0: everything. Yeah. There's the, like, marching.
1: Yeah. This one ramped up a lot <laughs> louder than the other one. I left it where I left it after I dropped the other one down. Oh, shit.
0: This is composed by James Horner. He met Cameron early in their careers when they worked for director Roger Corman. Aliens was Horner and Cameron's first collaboration. Horner called it a nightmare. He arrived in London to compose the score... Expecting a six-week schedule, there was no film f- for him to score, as Cameron was still filming and editing, and Horner only had three weeks to come up with this score. The producers were willing to give him more time, and he was booked to begin scoring The Name of the Rose shortly afterwards.
1: I'm assuming that he didn't have enough leeway with Name of the Rose to try to get more time with Yeah. Aliens.
0: So, yeah, he had a like, uh, time crunch to get this done before he moved on to his next movie. He recorded the score at Abbey Road Studios with the London Symphony Orchestra. His schedule was so tight that the score for the cinematic battle between Ripley and Queen and the Queen, Alien Queen, was written overnight. Wow. Cameron first heard the score while it was being recorded by the orchestra and did not like it, but it was too late to make any changes. Cameron cut the score up using pieces where he believed they fit best and inserted pieces of Jerry Coldsmith's Alien score and hired unknown composers to fill the gap. The director said in a later interview he thought the score was good but did not fit the scenes he had filmed. Unused portions of Horner's Alien score were repurposed for Die Hard.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, that's a weird...
1: Fun fact. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Connection, weird connections here in this... This is the main theme for the movie. I think I mentioned that. So this is not the one that's all cut up. Yeah, And it fits the bill for the other ones where it's just... Setting the atmosphere. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. Uh, kind of reminds me of like a Tim Burton score. and yeah. The way that some of the horns come in.
1: I could just see like the, the title showing. A, yeah, like, it
0: kind of like turns and becomes visible.
1: Yeah not a whole lot going on here but this one is more very it's it's more similar to something you would hear as you said like from a Danny Elfman yeah um, just muted like Danny Elfman would, would start with something like this and then ramp it up and eventually then ramp it up hop into something or you know kind of transition where this is I don't feel this is transition yeah this is just like the early yeah.
0: parts of the score alright let's go on to Alien 3 Oh, gosh. Immediately into the action. Yeah. Alright, this is the main title for Alien 3. We'll go back and forth on these taglines. You want to do that?
1: Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah.
0: In 1979, we discovered in space no one can hear you scream. In 92, we will discover on Earth everyone can hear you scream.
1: Oh shit! <laughs>
0: That's very wordy for a tagline, yes, but I like it. And they also never come to Earth, so yeah, it also doesn't it, yeah, it doesn't, isn't accurate. Right. Uh, in
1: 1979, it came from within, probably inside a chestburster. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1986, it was gone forever. In 1992, our worst fears have come true. It's back. <laughs>
0: then we got It's Back and The Bitch Is Back.
1: <laughs> I hate that tagline, but it still made me laugh a little bit.
0: Yeah, it, it it fits the movie because at the very end when she kills the alien, she goes, stay away from her, you bitch, <laughs> to the queen. <laughs> it's a very... um.
1: Weasley mom of you, leave her alone, yeah. you bitch! Or not my daughter, you bitch! <laughs> uh, our worst fears have come true. It's back. God, I feel like I'm reading. It's back. They Too use much.
0: it's back a lot. And then the last one is three times the spence, three times the danger, three times the terror. Oh shit! That one's not bad. It's much shorter and it gets is. to the point.
1: All right. So the film's composer, Elliot Goldenthal spent a year composing the score by working closely with Fincher to create music based primarily on the surroundings and atmosphere of the film itself. The score was recorded during the 1992 Los Angeles riots. Oh, wow. That's an interesting fact, too. Which, Goldenthal later claimed contributed to the score's disturbing nature because Goldenthal's a racist. (laughs) He is best known for his distinctive style and ability to blend various music styles and techniques in origin and in uh, inventive ways. He won the Academy Award for Best Original Score in 2002 for his score to the motion picture Frida. Oh, nice. That's a really good music on that Frida movie.
0: I haven't seen it. This one actually has vocals in it. They're like... I mean vocals, but it's like humming and chanting or weird language. Yeah. But like a backing
1: track, yeah, essentially, it's
0: just like a voice used as an instrument. But that's an interesting aspect.
1: Yeah, very, um, very Star Warsy type of soundtrack. Yeah, like if John Williams would do something like that, where he just uses vo- vocals to add to a track.
0: Yeah, again, it's just like that very atmospheric, where notes are like stretched out, and mm-hmm. it gives you like that space feeling. Here we have the main theme for Alien Resurrections. They all
1: sound the same.
0: The, yeah, they're not. I mean, which is nice when yeah. like the franchise has a tone to it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it's been more than two hundred years. The beginning has just started. That doesn't make
1: any sense. <laughs> we are not alone. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I get that one. That's a little bit like a. This is 1997. Let's try to spook people, you know, after having movies. Yeah. You know, like Independence Day and, you know, things and like that. I think X Files exist yeah, exactly. at this thing yeah. yeah. and it's yeah. like
0: they're out there or whatever yeah. the tagline for that one exactly. is. <laughs> exactly. Well, no,
1: like what? 92 to like 98 was like X Files yeah. or like
0: to 2000 something. Independence Day was like 96. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, this definitely. It makes sense why aliens were in the zeitgeist in the '90s, so it makes sense why they decided to resurrect this franchise. Uh, we're not alone is the other tagline. I think I, yeah, read that. That's what. I had. Uh, Witness the resurrection. <laughs> Pray you die first.
1: <laughs> Hell gives birth. <laughs> <flight>? <laughs> I,
0: I guess that makes sense because they're like birthing a queen but it's not coming from hell even though she is dead so like right (laughs) that's implying that they like somehow went to hell and resurrected her exactly just his DNA cloning yeah
1: it's it's also really weird because it kind of basically assumes like some kind of fanatical belief that the good is heavenly the bad is hell (laughs) it's ridiculous
0: it's already too late and then beyond salvation, hmm. eh. they're just kind of give you, trying to give you those Jesus yeah things with the resurrection.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I understand like sticking to the theme of the motif of like the whole resurrection. I don't like it. <laughs> like, I understand witness the yeah. resurrection. Like that, that tagline makes sense because the movie is called Alien Resurrection. And They want you to
0: watch it. <laughs>
1: yeah, it makes sense,
0: but. Yeah, that's probably the best of them. Uh, The song is over, so I'll read this as quickly as possible. Composer John Frizzle was encouraged by a friend to audition to compose Alien Resurrection's film score. Frizzle sent in four cassettes and received a call from 20th Century Fox about the fourth, which contained music from The Empty Mirror. Frizzle spent seven months writing and recording the score, and glad he didn't have three weeks. Yeah, right? (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh, Which... One A requested to be very different and unique from the previous films in the series. This included themes of romance eroticism, incorporating sound effects such as going... Gongs. Oh, gong and rod. Rub rod. <laughs> yeah, eroticism. Rub that rod baby. <laughs> the cue They Swim took one month to complete as One A, or one A was not pleased with frizzle's original version although the final result was a mix between the first and third version he had composed interesting
1: that's fancy even though like literally you and i just stated this sounds like all I the think, other fucking films because well,
0: these are just the main themes i yeah. think they kind of tried to stick with a tone right. for those and then maybe if you listen to deeper into the soundtrack they'll have more like romantic tones and stuff like you said romance and eroticism Ugh, Ugh. sex. <laughs> this will lead to prometheus Music composed by Mark Streitenfield. Mark Blofeld.
1: I like these taglines a lot better. Right. It's a new like, quote-unquote film. The search for our beginning could lead us to
0: our end. Yeah, because they're searching for the origins of life, so that makes sense. Yeah. They went looking for our beginning. What they found could be our end. Same thing, but yeah. added words.
1: I feel like that could be like on the back of the book like somebody's like review or criticism of the thing like this is what I took from this Uh, we came from them they will come for us
0: yeah I think they established that the engineers actually created humanity so now they're coming to kill us or bring the aliens to us we are all born of giants That makes sense because the engineers are really huge-looking dudes. Yeah, like you literally look at the cover of
1: Prometheus, and that's an engineer, and that face looks like a giant thing. Uh, Which leads to the "Do not question the creator." Uh, Very biblical again. You know, the God is a creator. Don't question God. God is infallible.
0: Blah blah blah. Whatever. In the heavens, they found hell, so they brought hell back into it (laughs) again. Jesus (laughs) Christ. Search for life, pray for death. Damn.
1: That, that is a mood, right? Yeah. Like, you literally come out here to do the thing, and you end up just, like, dying or
0: hoping that you're dying. Yeah, because like, living is worse. <laughs> Discover what mankind was never meant to see. Aliens?
1: <laughs> I don't know. The origin of man is not
0: on Earth. I think that's a line from the movie. Yeah. And then finally we have Fear Your Maker. That's fair. That's fair.
1: All right, you said this name already. Mark uh, Streitenfeld, who has worked with Scott on earlier projects, composed the musical score for Prometheus. It took just over a week to record with a 90-piece orchestra at Abbey Road Studios in London. So this is like the second one that's done in England. Stratton Field began writing ideas for the score after reading the script before filming commenced. He used the unusual technique to compose the score and said, I actually wrote out the sheet music backwards. So the orchestra played it backwards and then I digitally flipped it. Whoa. So you're hearing the score as it is written, the same melody, but with a backwards sounding orchestra, which gives it a kind of unusual, unsettling sound. That's
0: actually really cool. (laughs) That is dope i don't know how he thought of that or how they played it like like
1: i just feel like they like i wonder if we can hear the original like we could flip it back the other yeah, way yeah like, like if they if somebody has done that or like unedited like i guess edited but unlike modified yeah it.
0: <laughs> i think that would be fucking weird yeah that is strange but it's a good idea because it's supposed to give you an unsettled feeling and doing because the notes are going the wrong direction that you wouldn't normally hear them so yeah interesting like,
1: you're like Traveling the progression this way, but in, instead you're traveling, you know, the progression the other way. It's weird. Then
0: we have alien coming.
1: gives me the interstellar vibes yeah it's a slow build yeah this is very much uh
0: Hans Zimmer like style of intro yeah and whatever this like humming noise or whatever you call that like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah is I feel like used it's like a pan flute (laughs) yeah uh, tagline The path to paradise begins in hell. So, again, hell. There we go. And paradise, right? Yeah. Yeah. Paradiso. It's the yeah. Juxtaposition. Heavens and hell. Paradise and hell. Yeah. Then we
1: have four of them that are just one liners. Or one words. Not even one liners, right? You have hide, run, scream, pray. Like, what kind of
0: taglines are those? I bet it. It's usually how they do the set of four posters, and oh, it's like yeah. character posters or whatever, and it'll just be like, run, hide, pray, whatever. yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how I imagine seeing it.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot more sense of what I was just thinking. Like, Jesus, this is stupid. <laughs> uh, discover the origin of terror. This one ramped up way more than the other ones. I, yeah, I no like it.
0: Reach for it to turn down. The beginning of a nightmare. Again, another nightmare one. Makes you think uh, Freddy's going to be in it. <laughs> witness the creation of fear so discover the origins of terror and witness the creation of fear so that's kind of like they just used a tre- uh, treasure thesaurus and just changed yeah. <laughs> a couple of the words
1: big things have small beginnings like my penis
0: <laughs> i guess like a face hugger is to a xenomorph yeah you yeah.
1: know i guess in this movie it was the spores yeah so the little stepped on the little itty bitty like plant things and the spores got ingested in the body and then it created like this big thing.
0: Uh, the musical score for Alien Covenant was written by Australian musician and composer Jed Kurtzel. Themes from Jerry Goldsmith's original score for Alien were incorporated, as well as themes from Mark Strattenfield and Harry Gregson Williams score for Prometheus so i like when they do that when they bring in yeah like histor history from mm-hmm. the music and reuse it it's just like michael giacchino
1: doing the the star treks yeah. you know bringing in the original theme making sure it sounds like it because without that continuity you can't technically have fans yeah you know dive in to these remakes or whatever
0: and that will do it let me I have this from Alien vs. Predator I'm not sure what it is I don't hear anything this is a song called Alien Queen from the Alien vs. Predator soundtrack so I just wanted to throw it in <laughs> it kind of st- sticks with the alien tone right and then when we get to the Predator episode, there's a Predator theme as well, and we'll see if it fits with the Predator theme right? so that we yeah, listen to. Because
1: the Queen was in the first of the alien Predators Yeah. inside that temple, mm-hmm.
0: producing all those eggs,
1: like on a conveyor belt. <laughs> <laughs> They're efficient, okay? Leave them alone.
0: <laughs> this ancient pyramid from thousands of years ago has a conveyor belt. Yeah.
1: Um, I think the best tagline from this, you have them written down, is whoever wins, we lose.
0: Yes, that, that's another iconic one. <laughs> it's so true.
1: It's like, because you're not, you, you as a human are not involved in this battle at all. <laughs> and the two people who are yeah. involved in this battle are stronger than Way, you Yeah, are. you
0: really have no impact until like the very end where you... you well, we'll talk about that. In the next episode, stay tuned for Spookin' with Predator next month. But uh, thank you for joining me on this episode. Absolutely. it's fun. Uh, I declare this meeting of Spookin' with Saf closed. Until next time, drink up and pleasant dreams, everyone. <laughs>